Hello and welcome to this week's Tapping Up with Ian and Daryl. Um, we're going to go straight into uh, a review of last weekend's football results. Over to you, Daryl. Yeah, um, I, not that many shocks for me. I think the the main shock being Villa uh, losing to Bournemouth, although subjective, to be honest, because I think that I'd predicted in the conversation we had previously that Villa were going to have a pretty shocking season in comparison to what people thought. A um, bit similar to, to Everton, to be honest. I think Villa haven't really done that much in the transfer market that's wowed me. They've brought in a few OK signings. Um, losing to Bournemouth on the first day of the season isn't cracking. Not it's, a good start. It's not going to do them well for the rest of the season. Um, there's Brighton. Brighton beating Man U. Um, Who didn't enjoy that? Yeah, I was going to say, it, we say shock. Is it a shock these days? It's more of an expectation that Man U are going to lose these sort of games. I mean, Man U started to seem the game all right. But about 20 minutes in, they were garbage. Everything, yeah. Nothing seemed to have changed from what before. No real structure. Didn't seem to have a game plan. Players didn't seem to know what they were doing, which I thought Ten Hag might have made them better. But terrific that they're not. Yeah, and I absolutely. hope it carries on. But, um, say, as a, a Leeds fan and a, a Liverpool fan, um, I can't imagine there's much better end to a weekend than watching... Man U be humbled against Brighton but I'll be honest I quite like Brighton this season I liked them last season they seem consistently building on where they were the previous season I can't see them getting anywhere near Europe or anything like that but I can see them being very comfortable again this season I'm surprised they did as well as they did against the scum mainly because they've lost in my opinion two of their best players they've obviously lost Basuma and Cucurella yeah. and both of them were outstanding last year and they're that sort of team that two really good players would make a really good big difference to them so to see them start without those two pretty encouraging signs I would have said if you're a Brighton fan yeah um, I can't imagine it's encouraging to see Danny Welbeck lining up front for your team um, season in and season out but yeah they, they seem to make it work and they were denied an absolute stonewall penalty anyway so I think even though some Man U fans were complaining about the score nothing to complain about at all they were by far the weaker team um, and it were always funny as well to see Ronaldo come on and do absolutely nothing. Um, and that would be a side podcast in itself. The enjoyment <laughs> you could take at how crap man you now are and how backwards they've gone from the glory team they used to be. I mean, the uh, announcement in a nutshell. That, that tells me desperation, no clear plan or structure, yeah. the fact they're even linked with him. But let's not waste any valuable time we could talk about Liverpool leads on the scum. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, we'll go on to Liverpool then, just because I know that you're absolutely itching to talk about a fantastic result at the weekend against lowly Fulham. And uh, I'll be honest, I think you were quite lucky to come up with a draw. Fulham, Liverpool does. Yeah, Fulham yeah. did to us what we usually do to other teams, which is outwork, out-energy them into enthusiasm, the, the pressing off the ball. Um, yeah, we were probably the... There's no problem, but we're definitely the second best team, and we were lucky to get away with the with the win. Uh, nice to see Nunes score. The draw, you wish it draw. were a win. Sorry, yeah. you're right. The draw, yeah. wish we're <laughs> thinking. Um, but Nunes, that's two games in a row. He's come on and made a big difference after yeah. the Community Shield. So things look good, and I thought he might take a bit of time to get hit the ground running. But it's got to be, he's got to be playing uh, against Palace on Monday night. After that, you've got to go straight into the team. I think so. I think um, it's got to be a confidence knock for the team, especially when you see Van Dijk being bullied by Mitrovic. But I think it's got to be a confidence knock considering the high that you were on after the Community Shield. And I know it's arguable whether it's actually important or not, but 
and arguable whether it's a, a trophy at all. But going into the season, beating City, and I think comfortably beating City as well. I thought you were the better team. I know we watched that together. Um, to then be pretty much outclassed by Fulham, who is a team that, again, I expect to be fighting relegation all season, to be honest. Um, it's a bit of a reality check, I think, from where you are. And I saw the absolute meltdown of Liverpool fans um, on Twitter and social media about, oh, we need to go and buy a, another centre-mid now that I think um, Thiago's injured, isn't it? Um, complaining about Salah not looking as good as he was, Diaz has gone off the boil, all this stuff, which is, is nonsense because ultimately I think it's fairly obvious that you'd be battling for title. I think you'll end up second, as we've already said. Um, I think City will run away with it this year. But yeah, big overreaction. But I think you need to go to Palace and put a statement down, I think. Palace are an alright team. Um, they looked okay, I thought, against Arsenal in mm. the opening, opening game of the season. Um, so Vieira surprised me. He's been a pretty decent manager for... Um, didn't seem to have been a particularly good manager at the previous places he'd been. Into America, wasn't it? Somewhere in France. Uh, yeah. Saint-Étienne, I think. But um, he seems to have done pretty well. They seem to have a pretty solid approach to the game. They've got a few gem players in there, some, some decent players. So um, it will be a tough match. Um, they're a little bit of a bogey team, historically. Um, for Liverpool, there's the infamous Cristambul, <laughs> uh, where they came back from 3-0 down um, <laughs> four or five years ago, I think now. Um, but yeah, it'll be a tough game, but I think if we play and we turn up, we should be all right. Yeah, I'm pretty... If I had to back either team, I think it's a fairly confident backing for Liverpool um, on Monday, but... Yeah, let's talk about a successful team, though, until Liverpool. Um, Leeds. So we beat Wolves first game of the season. Um, not impressed with Wolves, I'll be honest. I thought, as they did at the end of last season, they seemed to have lost the way a bit. Throwing themselves at the floor, it's all about wasting time, it's all about the dark arts of football, taking the times with throw-ins, etc. Et um, Huang, I, I just don't rate him at all. I know there's a lot being made out of him. Um yeah, not for me. I think without Jimenez, they've got nothing going forward. Uh, I thought, I'll be honest, Aronson, star man, which um, high hopes from this season for us. I think he looks fantastic. I can only see him, as seems to be the Leeds model these days, being here probably a season or two if he keeps going the way that he's doing. I know in the very early days, it's only one game. He absolutely ran the show against Wolves. I think he'd take him out of that team and it would have been a very, very different result. Very unlucky not to get that goal as well. I only obviously you went to the game. I only saw the highlights of match today. It looked close, like it could have gone either way. Um, obviously, it's nice as a hometown to see Leeds doing well. I've got nothing against Leeds. I'd rather them do well and succeed than not. But it looked like it could have been one of those games. That if you got it wrong, it could have gone either way. Yeah, if maybe Wolves <coughs> had been maybe had him and as they were a bit more prolific. It could have been a draw. Or could have could have ended in the wrong way, but. Um, all seemed pretty encouraging, particularly for the new signings. I mean, I always say to you about Rodrigo, I think he's underrated, and if he actually was played up front, you'd see a different player than this bit of a joker when he plays out on the wing that he seems to be known as between, uh, to some Leeds fans, but good start for sure. I'm going to say, I think if you say Rodrigo is an underrated player to Leeds fans, they'd probably bite your head off. Um, he played in the number 10 position this weekend, which I, I can't see him staying in, because I think Aronson will, will move in once we start getting his... Um, new signing Sinistera back and Dan James is now uh, no longer banned I think he'll get phased out of the team slowly it's a good option front bench but 
absolutely what you said. To be honest, the first half it were all lead, um, apart from obviously their first opportunity, which they scored from. We came out in the second half, there was a period of about 10, 15 minutes, it was just all Wolves. And I'm pretty sure that at that point I turned around um, to my girlfriend and said that we were going to get absolutely battered. Uh, it looked like same old leads, it looked like they just run out of steam. To be fair, Marsh made a few subs, Brockton Click, who seems to be the forgotten man at the moment, and that changed the game. And then we came away with a win at the end. But yeah, encouraging start. And the only other I think main game to talk about in the Premier League is, is obviously um, main man Harland and City. Yeah, well, it's funny because you said it earlier, we watched the uh, Community Shield together. Obviously, as a Liverpool fan, I was delighted. Harland was, had a shocker. Yeah. Hit the bar from about two yards out, missed a couple of really good chances. I think everybody was saying, oh my God, he's a waste of money, ridiculous. I'm sure the amount of people that took him out of their fantasy football team um, is uh, ridiculous. But as I said to you, I had a feeling he was going to come good. I kept him in my fantasy football team as captain, turned up and I only saw, again, match of the day, two chances, two goals. Yeah. That That's what the rumours and the myth we've heard of Highland was like incredible movement and speed for a guy that size. I, that, I mean, that... I, I watched it, so I, I watched the full game, and to be honest, the only criticism you would have of him is that he didn't get an hat-trick because he, he missed a, a fairly easy header for his standards, but he's obviously not known as a prolific header. He were absolutely brilliant. He were literally, the, the penalty, and I'd implore anyone who listens to this to re-watch that if you haven't already watched it, but the movement for him to win the penalty is absolutely outrageous. He's got no chance of winning the ball. His acceleration, he goes from... At one to sixty in a millisecond, gets the ball first before the keeper. Absolutely no idea how, and then wins a penalty, and then it changes the game because West Ham was still in it at that point. But he's he's going to be scary this season. I think clinical, clinical is the word for me. Like that's the penalty was that the second goal is what 15, 20 yards outside the box makes a run. Uh, I think it was De Bruyne, was it? It's usually yeah. De Bruyne that finds these magic balls. Found a ball with him. He took it in his stride. Maybe five yards outside the area, carried on in bang, one touch gone. No he's doubt they're going to score. Every time he's yeah, going to score. He's, he's brilliant. He's clearly going to get a golden boot, um, which I still back in Nunes to be close uh, at Liverpool, but yeah, he's going to run away with it, and I think they'll run away with the league, to be honest. I'll tell you what, though, I think you could argue that Pep has made a bit of a mistake and maybe made things slightly easier for everybody else, because I genuinely think they made a huge mistake letting Sterling go. Having Haaland up there is incredible. For me, being flanked on the two, Foden and Grealish, doesn't feel like a world-class front three. You put Sterling back into that with one of them two, I would say that's different. But that that doesn't strike fear into me on a name basis alone like Liverpool's front three. Mm. Like even Madrid's now. Some of the, you know, Barcelona's newer, uh, you know, that. But with Grealish and Foden, I mean, Foden... Is incredible and underrated. Grealish has got is completely the other way and is massively overrated. If you ask me, really liked him at Villa. Shocking season last year to pay a hundred yeah. million for someone who plays nearly every league game. I think he ended up with two goals and two assists. That is appalling. I think I'll be honest. I don't disagree, but the difference between the front threes that you're talking about there is that they don't have De Bruyne behind. De Bruyne will pick a pass from infinitely impossible spaces and we'll put them on a plate for him all season. I've got absolutely no doubt that, again, like I said, they'll run away with this league. 
which is obviously no offence to Liverpool, but um, yeah, I think it'd be fairly comfortable for him to be honest. Even as a Liverpool fan, I can't disagree. Um, and more so when your best player gets scored by Mitrovic, that's <laughs> make make you worry. But every dog has his day, and everyone's entitled to an off day. So we'll let Virgil yeah. off this time. But we'll see in future episodes if that's a real theme. Has Virgil lost it? Is he not the best defender in the world, or did he just have a shocker? So on that, so just to end the uh, the football portion of this, predictions, who's going to win the league, who's getting uh, Europe and who's going down? Top four for me, in order, if you press me, City top, yeah, probably by a fair amount. Liverpool, probably by a fair amount as well, you're clear of second. I would then suggest it will be Chelsea and Spurs. And I'm not convinced either way. Spurs, I think, are always Spurs and very Spursy, but they've got Conte. If anyone now, Man U fans must be kicking themselves to see what Conte has done with a team like Tottenham, who are renowned as a bit of a joke. Man U have got Conte now, there would be a different proposition. So um, I think Tottenham could be a dark horse to be challenging for that second place. But yeah, that'd be the top four for me Liverpool, City, um, Chelsea, and Spurs. Allegation? Fulham will definitely go down, even though after that result they played quite well. I can't help but think that they'll go down. I think Bournemouth will go down. This is obviously where we disagree and we have a bet on this, on a side bet. I actually think Forrest will do all right. They've gone out, they've spent a lot of money. They have done a inverted uh, commas Fulham from a few years ago where they spend £100 and then just go down anyway. But some of the players that I think they've bought, I genuinely think Forrest will do all right. Now, if I had to say... Forrest will do for me what I would term a Chef United, which is they could have a blinding season this year and then get absolutely awful and relegated next year. But I'm not sure, if I'm honest with you, but the, the two of the three that went up, uh, Bournemouth and Fulham, are definitely down for me. What about you? Uh, top four, I would agree, but I'd switch Chelsea and Spurs. I think Spurs will have a very good season. I think City will run away with it, as we expect. I think you arrive in that Liverpool will be running away with second, which is a consolation prize. I don't think you'd be anywhere near City this year. Um, I think Spurs will do very, very well. And again, I don't think they'll be close to you, but I think that they will be comfortably third and I think Chelsea will be fourth. I don't like Arsenal's chances this season. I know that Jesus has done quite well in pre-season and looks to be an astute signing, but not for me. I just don't like Mikel Arteta and I don't rate the chances there. Scum, yeah, the man you aren't getting anywhere near um, top four for me. I just don't think that they're in that stage. They might do in a few years. It depends what happens with signings and how Ten Hag goes with them. But I don't think there's any going to be going to be anyone outside of the usual top four pushing into it. Relegation, um, ooh, Southampton. I think finished bottom. I think. Um, They've been riding the look for the last few seasons. There's a lot of rumours at the moment about Hasselhoven being uh, sacked, which is perfect timing because I'm sure that they will rally behind him and beat us at the weekend. Um, It's a a difficult one. Um, I'm going to say Brentford. I think Brentford are also going down. Didn't like them last season. I think if not for Ericsson, they would already be in the Championship. And I'm going to go Forest as well. Uh, the side bet that we've had is that you think Forest will finish above Leeds, which I think is absolutely laughable. I think that they have bought without any semblance of a plan. They seem to be just buying and buying and buying. We saw that they're linked to another three players today that they're close to buying, one being 
um, Dennis from Watford. I'm not entirely sure what the plan is there at all. It just seems to be, we've got some money. First year in Premier League for a while, let's just spend a lot of money. I want them to stay up because I like Forest as a heritage team in the Premier League. I just don't think they'll do it. Um, yeah, no, not for me. So let's move on to discuss uh, boxing MMA. Um, we could start with boxing because this is hot off the press. I said hot off the press, what a load of nonsense. But Fury has announced for the eighth time in his career at least that he's definitely retired. Which um, personally, we were discussing the other day, is a good thing for me because who the hell wanted to see him fight um, Chisora? No or Dillian White. Again, no interest in that whatsoever. I don't think anyone would pay pay for that. Um, for me, boxers sadly use the word retirement as negotiating tactic. I still say that for if, if he gets a ridiculous sum of money to fight the winner of Usyk, Usyk and Joshua, yeah. he will come out, for, yeah. for, uh, there's no doubt. And I've got to be honest, I think he beats the shit out of either of them. I would not be concerned if I think Fury can beat him pretty handily. Which is so, something we disagree on, again. Um, I think and this is obviously a controversial opinion here because a lot of people disagree I think Joshua beats Fury and I think Usyk beats Fury I think Joshua knocks him out and I think Usyk is the better boxer I think Fury's been hyped up quite significantly because he's had a trilogy against an arguably good fighter in um, Wilder but Wilder before the Fury fight really hadn't fought anyone big at all uh, there's no one that you would say oh, I can't believe he's knocked him out it's a fantastic fight not for me I think that he nearly beat uh, Fury in the first fight in which he pulled the Undertaker move which is obviously um, infamous now I think he nearly had him in the third fight when he bulked up significantly but then gassed out because he's clearly not used to fighting at the significant weight increase that we're on I, yeah I just don't see Fury beating any of them two and I know that AJ's washed up now because he's lost two fights, one against Ruiz and obviously uh, Usyk absolutely schooled him last time, but that's because he tried to outbox one of the best boxers in the heavyweight division. So, yeah, um, I agree with you. Not particularly sad to see that he's resigned, quote-unquote, um, but I think he'll come back for the winner of that. Yeah, um, I'd say I disagree. I think he outboxes Usyk. And Usyk's a good boxer, but Fury's better. People sleep on Fury because he looks like your fat Jippo dad boxing. That's what people look at him. He doesn't... Joshua is a specimen. Yeah. That's what I... I uh, same as in Garnu. That's what I want and expect the heavyweight champion of the world to look like. In Pope, that they've, they've been born in a coal mine like Conan the Barbarian. Like that chiselled, ripped... That's what the world heavyweight champion should look like. Yeah, Fury slips under the radar because he looks like he's just tops off with the lads out on a Magaluf stag do, doesn't it? But his skill is underrated. He's an incredible boxer. His footwork's incredible. And over the years, he's added power to that as well. He used to be a little bit of a a Mayweather that we, you know, just beat the shit out of you, boxes pure volumes. But particularly in the two fights, the two second Wilder fights, he seemed to find a level of power his training that just wrecking people, just knocking them down. So I've got to be honest. I think he outboxes Usyk and would win on a on a, uh, a decision if they fought. I think he'd KO Joshua. Joshua all changed for me. I love yeah. Joshua. When you lose to a fat Mexican, you can't tell me that you're not going to lose to a fat Gypsy. See, I liked Ruiz. I thought Ruiz was again. I, 
Joshua fan in that sense, but I liked how he, he took that fight on short notice. Proper heart of a lion sort of thing, and then knocks out heavyweight champion at world when everyone sits on sidelines. A bit like you just said there, thinking, I've got a really fat Mexican bloke here, I shouldn't be anywhere near world title fight, and all of a sudden, he's a unified world title, uh, world champion. So, yeah, and I think Joshua learned from that because he went then to fight him in the rematch, didn't try to fight him, he actually did box him. In the sense that he's got to now learn again from Usyk, he tried to outbox a fantastic boxer and someone who is a better boxer than him. He just needs to try and knock him out. A bit like he did with um, Klitschko, but obviously significantly more refined than that fight against Klitschko, because otherwise he'll just get caught. And I know that Usyk's been bulking up quite significantly. We saw that video of him trading as well. So I think he's going to try and get a, a statement knockout there as well. But other big fight that was, uh, or the big fight news that was announced quite recently is the Eubank Jr. versus Conor Ben fight. Which I know you're not too interested. that bothered? I feel like this is, this is a, like a slow news day, is what I refer to it as, because there's no other talk going on. They're two guys from different waist classes. They're not really... I mean, I'm sure maybe in one of the five organisations they might be ranked top five. They're not exactly at the top of their, their, their own weight classes. And let's be fair, if there wasn't the backstory of their dad's being absolute murderers, by the way, and that you know people sleep on both uh, Nigel Ben and Chris Eubank Senior. They were fantastic boxers. Some of the, th- those uh, th- those two fights they had were incredible. But I think if you took that backstory away, people wouldn't really care about these two fighting. But I think um, Eubank Junior's standing went downhill a little bit when he lost to Billy John Saunders. Um, that's quite a while back now, I think. And then he came back and he were on the, the comeback trail. I think George Groves beat him, if I remember. He's got two losses to his name now. I think George Groves with the other one, which George Groves were near the end of his career at that point. Uh, I think about 2018. So his standing's a little bit lower. I really like Conor Ben and one of my friends is absolutely obsessed with him, sits and watches all his fights. I don't think he's ever had a headline of fight, although I, don't, I might be wrong on that. But um, I think this is probably the biggest fight of Conor Ben's career. I also think Conor Ben knocks him out to be honest. Um, it's a weird one because obviously they're on significantly different weight classes. I think two different. Um, we've got Ben, who's a, a welterweight, and Eubank, who's a middleweight. But there's a catchweight rumour of 157, which is a strange one. I know there's this, we discussed this earlier as well, big um, rehydration clause. So if they miss it by a certain amount of weight, they've got to pay thousands and thousands of pounds as a penalty clause, which is quite an interesting one. But the interesting bit I thought about that when we were discussing that the other day was you were saying of, in most combat sports the weigh-in is often at least the day before mm. and then that gives the fighters the time to rehydrate or whatever. But I think you were saying because of that clause the weigh-in is the day of the fight. And I actually said so. to you that, that strikes me at the risk of getting in a boxing ring and getting punched in the face for a living is dangerous anyway. But for people who, who know a fair bit about fighting, educated fight fans, dehydration is what kills people. And that's why you've had deaths in boxing and no deaths formally in MMA is because in boxing, uh, the weigh-in tends to be the day of the fight, whereas MMA it can be the day before. Um, and in boxing, they tend to shrink themselves down maybe more, even though there are bigger margins in the MMA weight uh, classes. But it's the dehydration that kills people. And you know your brain reacts in a different way when it's lacking all that water. So I've got to be honest, that is... For someone cutting a huge amount of weight to be weighing in on the same day 
that actually sounds slightly dangerous to Very me. Dangerous, but yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I'll watch the fight. I certainly wouldn't say I won't watch it, but it, it's not a fight that gets my attention or, or gets me excited mm. like Ask Joshua. Yeah. Well, 8th of October for that one. Um, I think Eubanks are a one... One nil up at the moment, Alex. I think um, you're winning a draw. Yeah, Eubank uh, won the first one in a draw. So I'm, I'm guessing we'll we'll equal the family heritage at this point. I think we're going one one one. Anyone who's not watched those fights, go on YouTube now. They are terrific fights. Right? Certainly the them. first one, definitely. I think they the second one was a little bit beat the shit out. Yeah, of each other. <laughs> two guys that hated each other. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's Probably a good got two guys going at it. That for a, for a blow for blow fight. That's that's exactly what we watch. Just on one bit more about boxing just to mention I know you can't stand this at all but it's quite prevalent at the moment so I thought I'd make a mention of it YouTube boxing so there's a big rumour at the moment that um, a favourite friend Jake Paul is apparently organising a fight with KSI another YouTuber Um, I think it's for next year and they're wanting to pack out Wembley opinions on that? it offends me that (laughs) The words YouTube and boxer are put in the same sentence. It makes a mockery of guys that have made a living out of the grind of going in the gym. And this clown, Jake Paul, comes along. The most frustrating thing is this is a classic example of don't hate the player, hate the game. As much as we all hate Jake Paul, nobody likes him. What he's doing in playing the heel, he is doing a magnificent job of. Mm. He's the third highest paid boxer in the world last year after Canelo, and I'm not sure who was second, but he's not even a professional. Now, supposed to be a professional. He's a clown that pretends to box, but he does it so well at making people want to buy it. You can't hate him in some way. You can hate him, but you have to take a step back and say, he's doing very well at that game, and the, the mimic and the kind of gimmick that he's doing, he's doing pretty well at. Has he fought any professional boxers yet? Not a single one. He's been beating NBA players, former wrestlers. uh, And I'd say, (laughs) now, he beat Tyrone Woodley, who is definitely one of the best UFC welterweights ever. But he had heavy hands. He wasn't a boxer. He was Mm. a wrestler. And what I would really like, if I'm honest, is I feel like he's got this MMA boxing divide and that he feels like he's winning. So what I would really like to see is an old, retired... MMA fighter come in and knock his teeth out. Anderson Silva would be my main fight. I'd lo- I don't think even He's doing quite Paul well. Anderson Silva is beat Julio Savage Jr., who's a professional yeah. boxer. Uh, Anderson would be amazing. The other one that I've got to say, I think he would tune up is Bisping. Get Bisping out even with one eye, and then have that. Not only did you get beaten by someone who's who's way old and retired, but who had one eye. That would shut Jake Paul up. So that's the one uh, for me. Britain versus America in that, but. Yeah, absolute nonsense. Um, I think the older uh, Paul, Logan Paul, called out Andrew Tate in a boxing match, which you've been introduced recently to. I've never to even Andrew heard T- of him <laughs> to the Naked News, and we were discussing a couple of days ago, and he, guy, is a clown. Um, however, just from what we were talking about, he does have, was a former kickboxer, and he does have one professional boxing win. So the only thing I would say is Logan. Whilst he's still dabbled with the boxing, he doesn't seem to have taken it as seriously as Jake. Um, so Not won a fight. I think he's lost one against KSI. I think that's the only fight he's had, isn't it? And, Two, oh, really? Mayweather. Did, he fought Mayweather. Yeah, but anyway, we don't count that. Do but, uh, yeah. So he, he seems a bit quite less interested, but um, I think name 
any, now that I know about this Andrew trait, name someone that you wouldn't want to see beat the shit out of him. I, I, I'd pay for that. <laughs> Swiftly moving on. Uh, UFC, uh, I know that you wanted to talk about the um, comments that have been made recently with regards to the pay of uh, UFC and, and MMA in general. It, it, it's a constant... Uh, it's funny because it also a uh, nice segue from Jake Paul because obviously him and Dana White have a bit of a beef and Jake Paul loves to be try to be the people's hero here and say about how MMA fighters are underpaid and, and jump on that bandwagon. Uh, and I think he does it just to wind up Dana, to be honest, who bites every time. <laughs> if there's someone more high profile, worth more money, that it's not easier to bait than Dana White, I don't know who it is. But I'll be honest, this is a controversial one, but I kind of agree with a lot of what Dana says, which is, if you don't like it, don't sign the contract. Mm-hmm. No one is forcing them or holding a gun to their head to sign the, the contract at that point. The other thing is that they, everybody wants to be making Mayweather or McGregor money from the outset. What they're not looking at is the UFC, um, probably most people listening to this aren't even old enough to know when the UFC started, sadly I am, but for that, I think it, was, it wasn't until two, the UFC was bought by uh, Dana and the Fatita brothers, I think it was in the mid-90s, it didn't even turn any kind of profit until about 2007, 2008. There were like £400 million in the hole, and it was the Fatita brothers who just had loads of money that just owned casinos that were putting money into it. Obviously, they then got it to the point the sport is now. You've got your Connors and your, your, you know, your, um, your bigger names that blew it up before they then sold it to Endeavour. And Endeavour got their pants pulled down. To be honest, the bike for £4 billion was ridiculous. But what I think a lot of people moan at is they forget that 20 years of hard work and effort that now... When you join the UFC, you are joining the premier organisation in the world for MMA. The the level and exposure you get, that in itself brings other rewards. Mm. So would I disagree that a lot of the fighters, when they first sign on a 12 and 12, is the the, the UFC's basic contract, I think 12 to to show, they say, and then uh, a win bonus of 12. That isn't much money for what they do, training camps, etc., etc., but you've then got all of the side on, it allows you to enhance your brand, and it's like being a Premier League footballer. The Premier League is the best league in the world, the UFC is the equivalent in mixed martial arts terms. So, um, is on the face of it sometimes the pay they get unfair, so people getting low money to Connor getting millions just for fighting, um, you know, Cerrone and people like that who he's going to tune up. No, it's not fair, but is the world fair? It's a good point. I mean, it's something that I'm sure we'll revisit a number of times because this comment gets made week in and week out about UFC fighters not getting paid enough. And obviously the main comparison being to boxers because arguably UFC fighters are more likely to result in quite a significant injury. You're obviously a little less protected in the sense that um, in the comparison to boxers and boxers get the mega money. You look at how much Tyson Fury's earned over the last few uh, years it would be ridiculous. I think it pales in comparison to other uh, UFC fighters that are there. The main thing in UFC seems to be talking the talk and then walking the walk. The big example that you've got at the moment coming up is obviously uh, Paddy the Baddy. So the comparisons to uh, Mr McGregor are quite strong at the moment. Obviously he's got a long way to go to get anywhere near that level. But it's all to do with hyping up a fight. And you've got a lot of very, very good fighters in the UFC at the moment who just do the job, essentially. They get in, beat whoever's put in front of them, continue, 
but they're not necessarily draws to a casual fan, I think is the main thing. So anyone who's watching the UFC, you're going to sit down and watch Usman knock someone's head in. It's like, okay, not a problem here. Or Ngannou go and, and batter someone, that's fine. But it's difficult to say to a... If you say to a casual fan, who's your most known UFC fighter, they're going to say Conor McGregor. And that's not because necessarily they've been good in the recent years, because Conor McGregor hasn't really done anything of note in the recent years apart from beat up old men um, but it's just because they're good at publicising their next fight and, and there's a, a paradox here that I find it I can see completely both sides of the story there's, there's something to be said for being a, a Kara Usman never smacks talks his opponents doesn't really say that gets in the ring and crushes people absolutely destroys them doesn't need to smack talk takes the view look my fighting will do the talking get it Really respect that approach, but that's not going to make you money. Sadly, in the world that we live in these days, with people like Jake Paul, it's all about eyes on you and getting that attention. And I think there is a line to be had where I think I'm the complete opposite of Kyle Rosman. I can't fight for shit, but I think I could slag people off for a living and make people laugh. And there's a little point of it where where McGregor hit the kind of, went into the, the stratosphere with that. He was the perfect combination of both. He was a high-level fighter when he was coming in and predicting things. And before he got too much money, you know, he was really driven. But he had that engaging, funny, witty smack talk that goes with it. You then get other fighters who you, you've got. Paddy is at the more extreme of he's got the good ch fight chat and the smack talk. He's not as good as Connor. And then you've got the other ones like maybe you and Garnus and your, your Usmans who are just phenomenal fighters but don't say anything. And there's got to be a medium. And as you say, if you were naturally had any kind of slightly extrovert character about you that you could have a conversation and take the piss out of people and you were okay fighter i think there's a lot of money to be made i think a lot of people still haven't jumped on that mcgregor type approach and if i was a manager i would be more towards saying to try and encourage people give them some smack talk say some funny things you know the, the one i always remember was when mcgregor had to fight chad mendez and he was on a, an interview, they were doing a, a, a podcast and they both phoned in and interviewed. And he said something to, uh, pretty much word for word, I think. You're a midget, I could rest my nutsack on your forehead. And like, even Mendes burst out laughing. It was just one of those, that, that, that's funny, that's what makes people want to watch the fight and buys them in. And I think the reason why everybody still loves McGregor is there's no uh, successor if you like, in the, in the UFC, to him, someone coming in who can do that, who's really good at fighting, but talks a load of smack as well. On that note, any appetite to see McGregor Mayweather too? None at all. <laughs> They're both old twats now, past it, making too much money. They've probably run out of money for coke and strippers, so they need to fight again. Yeah. So, but no, so I, I love McGregor. I loved him when he was at his, his peak, but... No interest in seeing that fight. The amount of money I think they would make from that second fight would be eye-watering and disgusting because, as you say, I don't think many people have an appetite to it. Um, end it on a sad note. Uh, just because you sent a text message the other night saying that you were very, very sad about it. Jean LaBelle. Respects to judo Jean LaBelle. Um, legend all the way through, not only in mixed martial arts, you know, as an actor, he was in a number of films, um, is recognised as having taught Bruce Lee some judo moves and things like that. Uh, was obviously Ronda Rousey's coach, most probably. Roddy Piper. 
Most influential. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris, yeah. He's been he's in a few films with Chuck Norris as well. So, yeah, I think um, it would be remiss of us to talk about uh, MMA in any form without uh, mentioning the sad passing of him. So, um, our condolences to Gene's uh, family. Um, but what a hero. Um, on that, keep an eye out for our social media post with our betting. What we, we will have some bets to follow, particularly this uh, over the weekend. So stay tuned and um, we hope you're, you're ready for next week's episode.